everybody, this is David Handel. And before we start this episode of the Shootable Podcast, I did want to talk to you about a couple of things. The first being underdog fantasy. Guys, today is the start of football season. This is the last day that you guys can draft your best ball team. You have to do no in-season management. You just draft, and your team is set to go for the rest of the year. And plus, we are giving you $25 upon sign-up if you use the code, the number 5RSN. That is the number 5RSN. So go out and do that. Go sign up. Go download the app. And let's have some fun this football season. Now, with that being said, I will not be on this episode of the Shoeable Podcast. I wasn't able to record this week. However, I just wanted to let you know how good it feels to be undefeated, 1-0, FI, you got the job done in dominating fashion, might I add. Devontae Price, Heisman, book it. We are going to dominate Texas State this weekend. You heard it here first from me, and now you can enjoy the show. Later, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast. As always, brought to you by the fine folks at Five Reason Sports, your home for South Florida sports news. Eric Henry, FIU beat writer, SB Nation. Joining me on the line tonight with the one, the only, as I've said before on Twitter, the Michael Jordan of FAU coverage, Mr. Shane Marinelli, Owls247. Shane. What is going on, man? Uh, I know we uh, we don't have David on the line tonight. You know, uh, he got kind of caught up in, in the mix of some circumstances. We'll have him back as soon as possible. That leaves us plenty of room to chop it up and talk about an eventful weekend. Of- I do want to talk about FIU's victory, though. But first, I, I, I will say it, it is sad. This this could be the last season of the Shula Bowl podcast with uh, <laughs> FAU getting ready to pack its bags. Uh, we we absolutely will talk FIU's victory, but Shane and I were talking off air uh, with the news of the day, the expanding Big 12. And listen, you got to think that the trickle down effect is coming. FAU certainly in position to make the jump up to the American Shane. Do you what do you think is going to be the uh, the circumstances for a, a continued Shula Bowl in 2022, sir? Well, I think we we're open to a four and one contract. Um, so. We'll go four games in Boca, neutral site. Four games in Boca, <laughs> neutral site. Um, I, 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 you think that's fair? <laughs> <laughs> is, is that neutral site Lockhart Stadium? What's, what's that neutral site, sir? Um, we can do like Carter Park off Sunrise, something <laughs> like that <laughs> in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Oh, man. We will save the speculation for later on as things certainly progress. That is definitely going to be a topic throughout the season, no doubt about it, with the move of the four programs from the American heading to the Big 12 seemingly any day now. So there definitely are going to be some spots for some teams in the American. But like I said, we'll get to that as the season progresses. Want to start with the Owls, Shane, you and I. And for, again, first off, for uh, our listeners who, you know, who, who, who stuck with us through our kind of technical difficulties. We weren't able to do the Twitter live, but we will make an effort to do Twitter streams throughout the year, whether it is halftime of FAU games or halftime of FIU games, or if Dave and I aren't able to hop on the line and do a stream uh, and do something live, we'll do a stream. So for those of you who were, who did listen and were able to hear us, we greatly appreciate you and we will do that throughout the year. 
Shane, you and I had a chance to catch up at halftime of the FAU game. Of course, they took the loss. The final score was 35 to 14. Uh, you've given your your thoughts on various platforms, but just if you don't mind here on this fine podcast, you just kind of give you know a couple of your takeaways and thoughts from the FAU loss in Gainesville. Yeah, my big takeaway, and I said this on a couple of podcasts now, uh, it felt like FAU Wisconsin 2017. You know, FAU kind of started slow. You know, Florida was able to kind of impose their will, and the defense settled in. Uh, FAU showed enough good signs where it's like, mm, you, you know, as I've told many people, you carry a lot of those good little things. It's Conference USA play. It's going to result in a lot of wins. Um, I think, you know, the tweet I put out was like, Nikosi threw for 58 more yards against Florida than any quarterback had passing in 2020. So that's all you need to know. Like the offense is moving. They just got to clean some things up. The defense made Florida work enough for it. You know, where it wasn't like gas 20 yards, gas 20 yards. Other than the long run at the end, Florida had to kind of kind of methodically drive, which they were able to do with, I, I don't want to say ease, but, you know, they were able, but they still had to methodically drive. And, you know, it's it, it, it just felt very oh-hum. Like, okay, they did some good things. They didn't embarrass themselves. You know, it's, they covered the spread. It's, you know, we'll just, we'll take it and go. And I, you know, maybe from a, an outsider's perspective, I do kind of agree with that perception, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. That is the, I, you know what? And having, having a chance to watch that game, I actually went back and watched it again in its entirety because I missed a, a little bit of the first quarter and a little bit of the fourth quarter. I think get the nail on the head, right? You know, there definitely were some opportunities there as far as plays to be made. And you mentioned as far as it kind of having the Wisconsin vibes. It's just a game that it's early in the year. You know, I think the biggest thing, Shane, that was my takeaway is, and, and I think you tweeted this. You said that, I can't remember if it was you or if it was Kevin Feller. So excuse me um, if I'm miscrediting you. But I think you may have said that if this is the FAU team that we get in Conference USA play, we're going to be just fine. And I do believe that as well. But I also saw that game just a byproduct of, I think this team's going to be better. I think Nikosi Perry's, and Nikosi Perry didn't have a bad game, but he's going to be better. You know, the, the play in the trenches is, is going to be better. The defense certainly, for the most part, I mean, they, they, they look pretty solid. Yeah, they had their hiccups, but uh, I think this isn't going to be the FAU team that we see. And I'm not talking about week 11, week 12. I'm talking about week four come FAU, FIU. I, I think that could be and, – and that's scary for Conference USA if they're able to hit their stride very early in this year. So that's the big takeaway I took. Yeah, the, I think they're just individual player. I think, you know, we have a quarterback. Uh, you know, the run defense wasn't great. You know, it looks bad, 400 yards on the ground. But, you know, there was, Florida wasn't a threat. But, you know, you're talking about a couple – great running quarterbacks Florida's loaded it, their strength was again DeMarcus Bowman's a five-star you know former two they have two five-star running backs who are not even in the top three of their backfield so it's just you know um one of those type of things and I also saw Johnny Ford is going to be a terror in Conference USA he, he's going to be a real you know go ahead Jim. I'm sorry go ahead well, yeah, uh, that's it. Uh, just Johnny Ford is going to be—he's going to be really good in Conference USA play. 
Yeah, I just was going to jump in right there because that was something that I wanted to, get to keep my eye on because Johnny Ford had great success as a freshman at USF, but the last few years kind of banged up with injuries and out of the lineup. Jordan Cronkite got some of the carries there at USF. So I wanted to see just how he would fare just being back on the field in a big stage. And I definitely agree with you there that Johnny Ford is going to be that player that we all were kind of projecting as someone who could be a, a you know newcomer of the year type player at FAU. Shane, want to transition because I, I have a lot of thoughts on this game, and I know you do as well. This is a matchup that you and I have felt passionate about, really going back to last year when this game was first played, and we talked about it a lot throughout the offseason. The game against Georgia Southern. I want to let you take it away with your initial thoughts. I tweeted out something from the Shul Bull account probably about two hours ago, which was a sneaky big um, thing that I noticed from Georgia Southern. And I want to make that point for FAU fans, but I want to let you start. Uh, yeah, I, I here's I don't I think they're catching Georgia Southern at the right time though. So I, I think that's first, right? Georgia Southern's a team that got hit particularly hard in the portal this offseason. Uh and then, you know, obviously if he's catching them, you know, without the regular starting quarterback throughout this break, so they're kind of rotating a, a Cameron Ransom and sorry, I just had a mind like the other quarterback. Amari Jones. Um, Amari Jones. So, you know, it, it's kind of, with the triple option, you, you definitely want rhythm there. Now, granted, Georgia Southern, if you plays, he's going to go out there. They're going to get, I mean, if you run the ball every play, you're probably going to pile up a couple hundred yards rushing. But if you could stop a couple drives and force a couple turnovers, Georgia Southern's defense is wolf. Okay. Uh, their secondary is tough. So I, I think this is actually a good test in a way for FAU. Um, we haven't seen them just take advantage of a bad secondary in a while. So that's kind of what I want to see. Like, just go out there and throw for 320 yards, Nikosi. You know what I mean? Like, show you could be like, take advantage of a team that's kind of reeling back there. Shane, uh, I want to give you my thoughts. And you, you mentioned him uh, in terms of, you know, the number two quarterback there at Georgia Southern. I think all FAU fans, if you have not seen – Amari Jones play. <sighs> Shane and I have talked a lot about how difficult it is to kind of prepare for that style of offense that you're only going to see once a year and to do it on quote unquote a short notice, right? You only get a week. Now the positive for FAU is they've seen this offense last year. So a lot of the guys who played on defense and play on this team, they prepped for it last year. But with Cam Ransom, someone who, and as someone I know very well, come from this area in Armwood High School, he's a unique, as a young kid, but definitely talented. But Amari Jones is the quintessential type of running quarterback that you would want in that offense. He's only 5'8", five, 5'9", five, a buck 85. That doesn't matter. Not looking for him to throw the ball 10 times a game, right? They're looking for him to have 20 carries and potentially over 100, 125 yards. The reason I think that FAU fans want to pay attention to that name, and I'm not looking to make a mountain out of a molehill, but he, Shane, I, I'm trying to think of an, uh, a guy that I could kind of, you know, using his analogy for FAU fans. But the best one I have, honestly, is Johnny Ford. Now, while he wasn't nearly as productive as Johnny Ford was at USF, um, Amari Jones spent the majority of his time at Tulane as a number three back. He was a guy who averaged 6.1 yards and 5.8, 5.9 yards, memory serves me correct. So he's averaging around six yards a pop as the third string guy. And he's a very dynamic player. I had a chance to see him in person when FIU opened the year against Tulane. And he was a guy who just, you know, was a perfect complement to kind of the bigger bruising backs that they had in Bradwell and Corey Duffane 
So just keep an eye on him because, again, he's that quintessential guy. And, and, you know, he threw seven passes last week. So obviously he has had some work at quarterback since he's been at Georgia Southern. But he is the quintessential guy who's going to come in there and can really beat you if, if you're FAU. So I want to make a point of mentioning that name. Shane, um, outside of, you know, looking at what FAU can do as far as taking a part of the weak Georgia Southern secondary, are there any other concerns that you see in this game? Uh, and and I, I don't, you know, I kind of know where you're going as far as a prediction, things of that nature, but we do got to look at both sides of the coin. FAU can't really afford to start 0-2. Not that it, it's going to make a huge factor in their Conference USA fairs, but just for overall program morale and, you know, the things and the expectations coming to this year, 0-2 wouldn't be great. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I think especially with a lot of stuff going on right now, everyone's watching everything a little closer and are going to magnify. Even though, like, in the big picture, these things don't really matter, but, you know, in the world of Twitter and non-nuanced conversations, uh, and you can't do this, and especially with, like, uh, or you know, you have Fordham in week three, but, you know, you have a road game at Air Force in a couple weeks. So, you know, you need this one. So then you can say, you know, at the very worst, we're getting out of uh, at a conference two and two. I guess my concern is what if the run defense is really not that great and Jordan Southern's kind of able to grind one out? Um, FAU runs into still a couple other, you know, offensive wrinkles. And next thing you know, you look up in the third quarter and it's like 20, you know, the fourth quarter and it's 2020. And then it's one of those games where, okay, you just got to hope a fumble or, you know, that it's anyone's game, a fumble, a bad call or something like that, you know, doesn't go your way. I will say this is FAU is a worse team last year. So granted, uh, the works was hurt when they played FAU, but the guy who was supposed to start uh, the quarterback who is, uh, is, I, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name again. Uh, was supposed to be starting for Georgia Southern this year, started that game. FAU, and, and Georgia Southern's very good at home. FAU almost outplayed Georgia Southern in that game. They lost 20-3, to three, but if you look at the stats, it was, it was uh, you know, FAU turned the ball over four times and allowed a short punt for a touchdown. FAU was like, what it was one of those games where they drove down the field, Posey fumble, drove down the field, Willie Wright fumble, drove down the field, get in the red zone, turnover on down. And, you know, all those turnovers. So I I think, you know, you have a better FAU team at home in a slightly worse Georgia Southern team. Yeah. The quarterback you're thinking is Justin Tomlin who started that game last year for Georgia Southern, but those are all fair points. Shane wants to ask you one last quick thing and just, you know, for housekeeping notes, um, I know that you believe you're on the record of saying that uh, uh, Chase Lasseter should be back for this game. Um, any other guys we should keep an eye on as far as, you know, really looking forward to making an impact this week? Um, yeah, he's coming back. I, I think we're going to see a lot more Kiki. He play, only played 26 sacks. I mean, 26 snaps. 26 sacks would be great for FAU. <laughs> uh, in the game, and you saw his impact a little bit. Uh I think you'll see him, but again, you're going to have to rotate a lot of linebackers. Uh, you got to, FAU's kind of built for the triple option, you know, especially if you have Kiki, it, your last is like really disciplined on the edge. If you're seeing him a lot, you kind of have a traditional uh, run stopper and Evan Anderson, you know, um, you know, that nose. So uh, they're going to have to work for it. So I, you know, as long as FAU doesn't turn over the ball and can score points, 
And, you know, the, the hardest thing, you know, we saw this kind of at Navy and Marshall. I always tell people there's when triple option football is going good, there's nothing. It's so hard to stop. Like when Navy would had Reynolds out there, it, it bleeds your soul. I don't think there's anything more demoralizing as a college football fan than watching like Eric, you've probably been there where you're a fan of a team where the triple option team is just four yards, five yards, six yards. Oh, you finally got them in a fourth and three, you know, they're going for it. Convert. It's like, it's, it's, it's death by a thousand paper clips and or paper cuts, paper clips. (laughs) Um, And it, it, but when a triple option team isn't clicking, now granted, we've talked about Jordan Southern isn't the most traditional of the triple odds, not the true like uh, double wing, you know, quarterback hunched under, under center. Uh, But nonetheless, when it's not going good and they fall behind a couple touchdowns and then it gets ugly quick, like it it turns. And you kind of saw that with Navy and Marshall. Navy doesn't have a dynamic quarterback right now. And when that thing doesn't work, they fumbles, turnovers happen, and like it, a score goes south really quick on those teams. Do you think that's a kind of a fair assumption of how, you know, with triple option teams, it, it's it's really it's it's the most beautiful thing to watch, or it can be a really ugly thing to watch. Shane, you took the words right out of my mouth because that was the analogy I was going to use for any FAE or FIU fans who didn't get a chance to see the Marshall Navy game. That is a prime example of when if you don't have all of the pieces, all the facets needed to make the triple option work, it can get out of hand in a hurry. So that is a great analogy. And I and yeah, I think I you know, couldn't agree more as far as that point there. So want to go ahead and transition to FIU. And before we transition to FIU, I want to introduce something that we're going to be doing uh, hopefully each week on the podcast is we're going to try to bring an opposing beat writer from the team that FAE or FIU may be playing, just kind of give a deeper dive, deeper analysis, and to kind of give you guys, the listeners, fans, uh, some more insight into what to look for. So with that, without further ado, I want to introduce Texas State beat writer for the Austin Statesman. Kef Chardello, and he took the time to join the Shula Bowl podcast. Hopefully you enjoy uh, this quick segment with him and the insight he gave on the Bobcats. All right, Shula Bowl pod fans, joining me on the podcast is Kef Chardello. He is the Texas State beat writer for the Austin American Statesman. He also is a uh, podcast co-host of the Win Now or Get Bent podcast, which is a Texas State podcast for the people. He's a member of the Football Riders of America Association and a Texas State alum, so definitely glad to have him on. Kef, how's he going tonight, my man? Hey, appreciate you letting me jump on this. I'm doing great myself. We got, we got some nice weather over here in San Marcos, but what I really want to know is how's the weather over there in Florida? <laughs> Yeah, man. You know how it is this time of year in Florida, especially South Florida. It is classic rainy season slash hurricane season. So, you know, it's going to be a thunderstorm between the hours of one and five at any point in time. And then things will just clear up. So it's turned into a pretty nice evening here in South Florida. Oh, we'll we'll probably see a lot of running on Saturday, I imagine. Oh, man. Hey, listen, listen, Kev, Bob, let me tell you that you would think so. But last Thursday ended up getting a lightning delay. It is in my four years covering the team is the third lightning delay. So keep your fingers crossed. We don't have that because, you know, that just means it's a it's a late night at the office and uh, all deadlines go out the window at that point. Oh, absolutely. That's a deadline killer. I've definitely had to deal with that a few times. So we don't want that. 
<laughs> no, most definitely. But like I said, appreciate you making the time to jump on the Shula Bowl podcast. Want to jump into previewing Texas State. And for our listeners, this is something that we're going to try to do throughout the offseason, which is bring on an opposing team to beat Ryder, whether it is FAU or FIU, to preview the upcoming opponent of the week. And want to just give you a, you know, a chance to kind of start with Texas State, where they are. We know they're led by third-year head coach Jake Spavita. Of course, there are a lot of storylines heading into this one. Former F, excuse me, former Texas State head coach Everett Withers is now the defensive coordinator at FIU. And his son, Pierce Withers, now lining up for the Panthers in the starting nod in the star nickel role. So plenty of storylines. But, Kev, just want to ask you this. Start with Texas State and where they are coming off the loss to Baylor. Yeah, you know, Texas State, obviously that's a, a disappointing loss to the, the Baylor Bears. Uh, they did better than, than the, I guess you could say, Vegas had them them pinned for it. They were they were 14-point underdogs in that one and only lost by nine. But, you know, that was, moral victories aside, their, their starting quarterback had three interceptions, and he was coming in. There was a lot of um, anticipation for him, kind of finally having some consistency under center for the Bobcats and comes out with, with uh, three interceptions, 20 for 40 for 156 yards, just not a very great game from Brady McBride. Um, but he's still going to be their starter this week. You know, uh, it, it's, it, he's their guy. Spavadol recruited him, so he'll definitely still be out there. Um, you know, offensively, it was really that was the big disappointment because Spavadol and these guys, they're known as offensive gurus, and it just wasn't really working for them on Saturday. Um, they put up 20 points, but one of those touchdowns was with a minute left. So it's kind of a garbage time score. And they just, they brought in all these, uh, they've got a lot of running backs, and they just, uh, weren't really getting it going. Um, they, they have three of them that they use Calvin Hill, Jamel Jeter, and Brock Sturgis. And now Brock Sturgis is usually their bell cow, and he didn't get a carry last game. Injuries were kind of holding him out. Spavadol was saying today he'll be back. So I'd imagine some more, more, more running from the Bobcats, uh, next week against FIU. And defensively, they, they, they played, you know, pretty well compared to their opponent. Obviously, whenever you lose, it's not as well as they'd want to play, but they did some good things. They made a lot of third down stops. Like third, they were, uh, five for 13. They held Baylor five for 13 on, on third down. So there were some good things. They had a fumble recovery. Um, but yeah, not, not, not obviously where the Bobcats want to be, but it'll be interesting with FIU. I mean, you just said it. Everett Withers, uh, obviously he's the coach here. Even Randall McCray, the, the linebackers coach now, he was the defense coordinator here at Texas State, and Hal Vinson's the outside linebacker, I think is coming off the bench, but played some last week, so a lot of of revenge narratives going back and forth in this one. Yeah, absolutely, a lot of storylines. want to bring it back to Brady McBride for a second. I had a chance to watch, I want to say that was the season opener for Texas State last year, the 31-24 loss they had to, uh, to SMU, but that was the first time I got a chance to watch Brady McBride really play. Of course, he began his career at Memphis before transferring to Texas State. And as you mentioned, that's the guy who Jake Spavita is sticking with and recruited him to really be the starter. What's the feeling on him? It kind of feels like, and just like just an outsider's perspective, he's a guy who it feels like his talent isn't necessarily matching up which kind you see as far as the, the output on the field. And I don't know if that's the feeling, you know, from the fans in San Marcos. What's the feeling around Brady McBride? I mean, you come off a year last year, I'll just, you know, give it back to you on this, who, had 17 touchdowns and seven interceptions, so it wasn't necessarily a bad year as he split time with Tyler Fitt. But it just seems like they're just waiting for him to kind of be that guy who Jake Spavita brought in to be the guy. 
Yeah, you know, with with McBride, either he came in from Memphis and was back when you had to sit a year after you transferred. So he's been at Texas State. This is going into his third year. Uh, last year was really up and down for him because of COVID. He started the first game, that SMU game. Don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but he played really well in that one. It was pretty close. And then right before the UTSA game the following week, he had to sit out due to COVID, and he missed a handful of games. I think he ended up missing four total last season before starting the last handful. And when he came back from COVID, he was not playing very well those first couple games. And then he ended really strong the last three games, 800 yards, eight touchdowns, no interceptions, including a great game and a win against Arkansas State. Uh, and so he had like 450 yards and five touchdowns that game. So it's been, it's been pretty inconsistent because then you cut to this year and that performance against the Baylor Bears, 156 yards, only like seven yards of completion, um, just in one touchdown compared to three interceptions, one of those interceptions, a pick six. So it's, it's been back and forth, but you see the, the good things in, I mean, you even see the good things, uh, last Saturday against Baylor when he'll keep a, keep a, a play alive specifically on third down. He'll kind of roll out of the pocket, keep it alive, get a first down. He keeps those drives alive. Um, he shows bursts, but he hasn't been able to put it together consistently. And so that's, that's really what he's missing. And now, you know, in his defense, his starting left tackle, Dalton Cooper, went down in the second quarter, and he was a freshman All-American last year. Dalton Cooper was a really good player for the Bobcats. And uh, he missed the rest of the game, the second half of the game. May not play this Saturday. It's a game-time decision, Spavadol said today. That's a pretty big piece. Um, and then the left guard, Russell Baker, was a game-time scratch as well. Um, so he didn't even dress out for the game. So he was he was short some linemen, so that's why he kind of had to run around a little more. But even with that, that doesn't uh, doesn't excuse some of the decision-making. And, and, you know, talking with Spavadol today, he wishes he would just run the ball more. Instead of trying to throw the ball and get that home run and get it picked off, he wishes he would just take off, and that's something they're really pushing him to do. So I'd, I'd look for him to do that this Saturday more. Want to transition into Jake Spavitol? This is just a personal curiosity of mine. As we mentioned to open the podcast, Jake Spavitol took over for Everett Withers, who was fired eleven games into the twenty eighteen season. And when you look at Jake Spavitol's record, it's five and twenty. Excuse me, five and yeah, five and twenty. I almost had it five and twenty one, which I believe is one game better than Everett Withers was through the same twenty five game period. I believe Everett Withers was four and 20 or four and 21 if uh, memory serves me correct just what's the feeling around san marcos and around that program with jake spavita well yeah and, and you're right yeah and withers was he was four and 20 because he went, he went two and ten his first two seasons and then he had a, a three win season his last one before he exited um and so spavita was only beating only on pace to surpass him by one win so far and you know but i, I will say it's there is more optimism going into this third season than there was Everett Withers' third season, mainly because of what Spavadol's done uh, on the on the recruiting uh, trail. He's brought in a lot of transfers. He's really infused this team with a lot of players that have experience um, and and just fit a different profile. They just look bigger. They're bigger guys, specifically on both sides of the line. Um, I mean, in the three years since he's been here. On his on the current roster, there are 50 transfers that he's brought in. Around 39 to 40 of them are scholarship transfers, but even even still, that's quite a bit of players. It's almost it's uh, almost a two deep of, of transfers. So he's brought in a lot of guys to because that's 
kind of been the problem with Texas State. They've been undersized since they've they've moved up to FBS. They've kind of maintained that FCS size. And that's something that's fabulous all coming from some P5 schools noticed right away. Now, this is kind of the first year where they're putting it into action. And now with an 0-1 start, it's hard to judge it for this season. We'll see how it plays out throughout the rest of the year. Um, and it, it looks good on paper, but it's something that they, they really have to execute on the field now with, with bringing in all these players. So, yeah, I, I think fans are a little more forgiving with Spavadol because of that. Um, you know, with, with, it was hard to see the future and the plan with, with Withers and what he was doing recruiting. And so I, I think that was, uh, that's kind of played a big factor into it. Got a couple more with Kevin. We'll get him out of here. And again, he is the beat writer for the Austin American Statesman. You can find him on Twitter at Kef. That is K-E-F-F underscore C. I'm always a fan of a man who uses the underscore in his Twitter handle as someone who does so myself. Uh, getting to the, uh, the run defense struggles of, of both teams last year. want to ask you this, Kef. The, the Bobcats allowed 226.3 yards on the ground last year, only to be outdone by the Panthers who allowed over 235 yards on the ground last year. So two teams who definitely had their struggles defending the run. want to ask you, what's kind of the feeling uh, heading, heading into this year and, of course, coming off the Baylor game as far as their ability to defend the run? FIU fans know that if there's one shot that they have in every ball game is the outstanding play of running back Devontae Price, who had 165 yards on five carries. Those, those stats are just still surreal to say. So just wonder if you could talk about the run defense with Texas State a little bit. Yeah, they definitely need to put a target on price. That's that's for sure. The the Bobcats do if they're that's someone to look out for now. But with, with Texas State going into this year, it, it felt like the the front seven was going to play better, specifically defensive line. Like I said, the transfers that I mentioned, they went out and got five defensive linemen transfers. Illinois defensive end uh, Anthony Shipton. Um, they got a Georgia Southern defensive end, uh, Jordan Mitchell, and then some, a bunch of other players that they got on the, on the D line. So they really increased the size there. Texas tech nose tackle, Nick McCann, who did actually play Saturday, but unfortunately on Saturday, they have 16 D linemen on their roster, but they only fielded eight due to two of them were out with COVID and there were some other injuries. So this, the heavy rotation that we saw in fall camp with the D line, wasn't there on Saturday because of that. And they're, they are, you know, Spavel said he's expecting some of them to be back this week, but they're probably still going to be shorthanded on the D line. So that was a, a, you could tell last week when they, when Baylor was able to kind of run through them and they only rotated in six different defensive linemen all the whole game. So it's, uh, you know, for, it was the, there was optimism there when looking at those D linemen, but whether they need to get healthy. And I think if, if they're healthy, it'll, it'll, do a lot better for the Bobcats. They have some some linebackers with experience with Braden Stringer, Binky Coleman, Sione Tupo. They've got some guys who play a lot of games. Uh, but you know, any any way front seven really needs the the front four of that seven to play well. Two more for you, Kevin. We'll get you out of here. I want to ask you about this in terms of the receiving game? It appears that you know guys like Marcel uh, Barbie are going to kind of be the, the number one targets there for Brady McBride. I wanted to ask you this. If, what are kind of the names that, in terms of offensively speaking, that FIU fans should keep a name on, keep an eye on? Excuse me. Yeah, you know, uh, at the running game, I Brock Sturgis is, is somebody that I, I mentioned him earlier. He didn't play last week. He didn't get any touches. He dressed out, but he had some injuries in fall camp. Uh, he's he's there. They have three running backs that they like to use, but that's their starter. That's their their bell cow, if you will. 
And so he, he, I expect him to see way more carries than zero this week. <laughs> he'll, he'll catch, he'll get the ball quite a bit. Yeah. And besides Marcel Barbie, the, on the other side of the receiving crew, you got Javin banks out wide wearing number one. Um, he's, uh, he's a, he can, he can really peel the top off the defense. Barbie is great at those 50, 50 catches, uh, whether it's short intermediate or jump ball in the end zone, he's really good at those, but banks is the kind of guy that's going to sneak past your safeties. And all of a sudden he's going to burst open for a 60 yard touchdown. So that's definitely somebody on offense to watch. Uh, yeah. Sturgis at running back and Javin banks there at wide receiver. Last question for you, Kevin, I'll get you out of here. What are going to be the three keys to victory for Texas State? Three keys to victory. Um, well, on offense, definitely run the ball, whether that's McBride or the running backs. They, they need to get more more running. Uh, they, they only had 79 yards for the whole game last week, 27 carries, what is that, like 2.9 yards a carry. It's just not going to get it done. And especially with the running backs they do have, I mentioned Brock Sturgis, one point was an Arizona State running back. Uh, they have Jamel Jeter, who at one point was an Oklahoma State running back. And then they have Calvin Hill, who's pretty talented himself in his own right. He's still a freshman after the eligibility freeze last year. But those are three really good running backs, and, and those they underperformed last week. Obviously, Sturgis wasn't out there, but the, the running game was not there. And that's something that this, this offense really needs. Because even Spavadol was saying it today that that's how they got to get out of third and long is running the get running the ball man oh they were in third and long third and six or greater 10 times last week so they got to they got to run that ball um defensively it's the other way they got to stop the run uh like i said they were short some d linemen so the they really got torched a little bit in the run game um and, and they've they've got to they've got to clean that up and i really think that's gonna be when they when they get some bodies back like they have their starters they have Patton and nico Esador. Uh, Jordan Revels, they have they have their starters, but they just that depth to really get to keep those legs fresh. Um, and then, yeah, and then uh, um, offensively, you know, the the offensive line too. They they need need to play more cohesive. There's a lot of new guys um, out there with all the transfers. The whole right side is uh, is brand new. For actually, from the center to the right guard to the right tackle, those are brand new starters, brand new first year players at Texas State. Um, so they've they've got to be a little more cohesive, and that will help the the running game. He is Kev Chardello. You can find his work at the Austin Statesman. You can find him on Twitter at Kef, K-E-F-F underscore C. And last but not least, make sure to check out the Win or Get Now, excuse me, Win Now or Get Bent podcast, excuse me, on Twitter. Uh, he did great following for all things Texas State as we're heading into this matchup on Saturday. Keep an eye on Kef's coverage of the Bobcats. Kef, appreciate you making the time. Hey, appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right, fans. Yeah, hopefully you enjoyed that segment there with Kef Chardello. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Kef, K-E-F-F underscore C, if you're looking to follow his Texas State coverage. Hopefully you got uh, some enjoyment and some you know useful nuggets there. I thought Kef made a, really, uh, made a lot of good points there as far as what to look for as far as Texas State and what to look for this weekend. One thing that he did mention, Shane, that I have to clean up really quickly, I know at the time of he and I doing that recording wasn't exactly known at the time. Uh, former Texas State linebacker, former, now former FIU defensive end Hal Vincent, no longer with the program. I know Kef noted in his preview there that it would be you know something to keep an eye on as far as Everett Withers, Pierce Withers, and Hal Vincent playing against a former team. 
came out today that uh, I reported that today, as a matter of fact, that Hal Vincent is no longer with the program. Don't have any specific circumstances behind his departure, but just very ironic timing. You know, looking at three days before he doesn't take on his former team, he is no longer with the program. But again, I want to thank Kev for coming on. And like I said, that is something that we'll try to do throughout the season as far as bringing on an opposing beat rider. But now, I uh, appreciate Kev for that. Let's take it to Shane. Shane, um, before we talk about Texas State and previewing, you know, that game, you're an eye spots as far as a preview. want to get your thoughts on the win against Long Island. You know, I'll let you take it away as far as opening thoughts, questions for me, things that, uh, you know, you kind of, when you look at the box score, maybe some of the, the eyes have had a chance to watch and some of the highlights, things you may have or notice or questions. Uh, I, I watched, uh, I'd say, a decent portion of that game. Um, did, did anyone sweat at FIU on offense in that first quarter? Uh, I haven't seen a running back go that much untouched. Like That was like some high school stuff when, you know, like the, the 8A power like just happens to play like a 3A private school. And you're like, wait, wh- who did this? Um, yeah, it, I, mean, I think it was a good sign for, like, they just needed it. You just needed the win, right? Um, you know, they have a star now, so I think it's good. Uh, you know, you, you just, again, you always just wonder, and I, and I said this thing when we, you and I, of course, debated Western Kentucky, you know, what's going to happen when they can't lean on the run game? Um, you know? You, you know, you're, you're going to run into a defense like an FAU or Marshall, and it's going to be like, you know, this isn't a five, six yards for a carry game. Like, you know, you're asking your back to just get me 4.4 yards to carry, you know, and, and you know, what happens then? Shane, I want to ask you this. And of course, you know, we've had fun on this podcast and anyone who knows that, you know, you're just having some fun. You're just being an FAU homer when you talk about Devontae Price and, you know, where he would kind of rank at FAU. Obviously, you're kidding. It's sarcasm. But I really want your thoughts as far as what you saw out of him. He's a guy you've had a chance to see for a couple of years now, mainly last year when he, you know, cracked the century mark. Obviously, a lot of that was the big 70-yard TD run. But just from what you saw, and again, it is an FCS program. So, you know, no one's denying that. But Shane, you're someone who watches premier athletes down there at South Florida covering high school football, just what you saw of Devonte price. Did, did that kind of, did that show you something as far as some of the preseason hype he's had, not only in conference USA, but maybe his potential at the next level. Oh yeah. He's an NFL running back. We, uh, I, I think someone went back and looked at his numbers, um, like some of his testing numbers. And one of our questions was like, who rated him? Like we were like, that someone messed up. Like we're like, you know, that should have been higher based on his testing numbers coming out. Like that wouldn't happen now. So, um, you know, so like maybe that wasn't available at the time or something, or someone didn't have that information. Uh, You know, he was obviously playing on the other coast. And I can just tell you that kind of area, the state doesn't get his coverage uh, with, you know, price uh, being from kind of, you know, you're kind of uh, south of Tampa in that area. And uh, it, it just, it doesn't get as much, you know, coverage as Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville. So, you know, sometimes you find little surprises coming from that part of the state. But, you know, no, that explosion, that speed, that straight, you know, I kind of, I, I think guys who, you know, you, you see so much in the NFL, it's like you just need to be a one cut explosive back. We eat. That that's what's required in the NFL because defenses are too fast, 
and he showed he's really good at that. Yeah, so, Shane, I'm, he, I, I'm, uh, oh no, I, I just was going to say, I'm actually going to be the guy who's going to come to the defense of the, you know, two, four sevens and, and other recruiting services. You're talking about an area in Charlotte County that is one of the smallest in all of really Florida south of Ocala, you're talking about that area is one of the smallest in, in that region. You know, it's an area I know really well because I have family that lives in Port Charlotte. So trust me, I, I mean, yeah, and you would know more than I would as far as the numbers and how he tested. But when you not only look at, A, the talent he played against, but just that area in itself, I, I, it's easy for a guy like that to get lost in the shuffle. And what's so surprising is that the, one of his former teammates and Stanley Thomas Oliver's in the NFL as well. And he also was a, a low two-star guy. So this goes to show that area is just tough to recruit. Or t- tough to assess. Yeah, you know, people forget like how big of a part of the state of Florida. You know, we always talk about it, and we're always just like, you know, we're. It's just so hard to go out and see everyone in the state of Florida. There's so much. It's a big state. It's it's you know, I mean, if you drive from Pensacola to Key West, it's what 15 hours. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, but again, he like it, I think it's good for FIU and it's baby steps after kind of the last year just to have like a star player because I can tell you with just having like a guy like a Devin Motor Singletary for FAU just someone like where even the average student who's been to one football game walking up and down the breezeway would be like oh I've heard of Devin Motor Singletary like that is huge for a program so um you know, and 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 I see. You know, he he's pretty active. You know, active on social media and kind of rah rah FIU, which is good. Like FIU needs that. They, they kind of need a another Ty Hilton. Uh, you know, th- those are so meaningful to the program beyond just you know the seven wins FIU might get this year in a bowl bid. Sure, and just you know, kind of quickly recap the win over Long Island, a forty-eight ten victory. Of course, Devontae Price, five carries, had 11 yards shy of his career high on the five carries. He finished with 165 on the day on just five carries and three touchdowns. Max Bordenschlager set a career high with 265 yards passing. His former, excuse me, his previous career high was 255 yards set against Northwestern when he was a member of the Maryland Terrapins. So all things were, you know, good for the Did Panthers. Did you think they even watched his jersey? And listen, like, Max wasn't touched, so I highly doubt they need to touch. No, them. I was going to say Price. Like, do you, did they even, oh, Price? They even need oh, to watch? Oh, oh. <laughs> I, I don't think Price took hit the ground, Shane, honestly. Yeah, did he showered at halftime, right? Like, he, he like, <laughs> like he, you know, I, I said, it reminded me, I think I said someone, I, I remember being, and this was when I was in Little League, so we're going to go back to Little League High School football, in the in the area I live in, you know, Coconut Creek, it's right by Pompano Ely High School. Like it was Tyrone Moss, if you remember him. Uh, you know, he this is before transfers and rivals and twenty four seven. This is when, you know, you just had true local kind of hero kids at a local high school. Like people went, everyone went to go watch Tyrone Moss play. And I, I remember that he played a game it was against like Nova High School, which is a total mismatch and you know, he or not, like he was in he was in a he was in sweats like, <laughs> and that's what it reminded me of like one of those where it's like eleven carries, hundred eighty nine yards, two TDs. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean Devontae, when we had a chance to catch up with him post game, I mean he looked 
<laughs> As you mentioned, Shane, I don't think he touched the ground uh, that game. But, uh, yeah, good performance for the Panthers. Uh, all signs now head to Texas State, as we mentioned. And, again, I want to thank Kef Chardello for coming on and previewing and giving from the, the B-Rod perspective. But, Shane, I want to ask you to start a couple of hypotheticals. Just like I talked about the fact that FAU could ill afford to go to, excuse me, 0-2, want to get your thoughts just from an outsider's perspective. What do you kind of think as far as if FIU loses this game, then you got to go to Texas State and then to Central Michigan? I, you know, in, in the media world, and I know, Shane, you're a budding journalist, you know, you're, you're growing in the field. We overuse the term must win, right? But it, forgive me if I think this is kind of a must win game for the Panthers. What's your kind of read on it? Yeah, you just, you got to take your ones at home. Or you you got to take, you got to take the ones, you, you got to split these games. I, sh- I, I mean, let's say it, you got to split these games. Uh, so it, it's, you, you never want to be in a position where the pressure's back on you. You know that it, when you go when you go to Central Michigan, if you're two and zero, oh, you you could play. I don't want to say relax, but you know what I mean. There's momentum. You're feeling good. Okay, now we beat an FBS team. It wasn't just LIU, and you know those things. Uh, yeah, I, I think sometimes these early season games really matter. You know, um, again, especially with FAU. You know, home opener. Um, FAU fans didn't like the way things finished with, you know, the season last year. We're kind of four straight losses as the team kind of wore down at the end. You know, now quietly, you know, you expect to lose to Florida, but now quietly, if they lose this weekend, all of a sudden that's six straight losses going back to last year. To FAU. So then it's it, it, then you're then you're going to have an issue. So, but, you know, I, I think for both teams, it's it's kind of must win. No, again, I, I would completely agree as far as that one's concerned. And like I said, while we don't have David in the line, Shane, I do want to ask you one more question from an outsider's perspective where I kind of give my two cents as far as the Texas State game is concerned. When you just go and you're talking about two programs here who athlete for athlete, you would think they would match up fairly well as far as Texas State and the recruiting that they have in the state of Texas and FIU in the state of Florida, but it's not really the case. I mean, FIU's roster you throw last year out the window, they're a much more talented team than Texas State. And you talk about, Shane, you made note of this, the, the almost three dozen JUCO kids or transfers that they brought in out of the transfer portal and JUCO route. So this is a game that talent-wise, Shane, I just, again, want to get your you know quick thoughts on this. You would just think when you look at things, stars career at Memphis and guys who are, you know, their roster's littered with guys who are at P5 here, P5, they're being really – Shane, you know a lot of the guys. If I, they're the more talented team. Yes, yes, they're the more talented team. When you're when you're taking in that many transfers, especially if you're trying to patch holes, you know, taking in transfers is good if they're if they're additions because then it's like, well, if half these guys work out, we've we've still upgraded our team. You know what I mean? If you're taking them out to 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 cover to completely patch holes and cover serious talent deficiencies are not all going to work out in Texas state. Basically their coaching staff threw up the white flag last year and said, uh, we were on the super hot seat. This like their recruiting cost was a hail Mary. So no, no, you know, yeah, you know, just, just on continuity alone. I know FIU's had a lot of roster turnover, but you know, you should be able to go, run, go there, run the ball, 
Borgenslager, you know, play it safe, game manage, and get out of there with a couple turnovers from the defense. That's that's what should happen. And when looking at this matchup, from my perspective, here are some of the things I want to point out for FIU fans heading into it. One, Shamar Thornton, Butch Davis revealed post game that he had tonsillitis. So it appears, based on the game notes and the death chart that was released, that Shamar may miss this game. Nothing is for certain. Butch Davis did not reveal a length of time that Shamar was supposed to miss, but Tyrese Chambers, who scored his first FBS touchdown, of course, he scored many touchdowns at the FCS level, uh, he will be inserted into the starting lineup. And then Chris Mitchell will come up at the receiver spot. Everyone seemingly is healthy in terms of the backfields. So you got Flex, you got Price, you got uh, Sean Pearson Jr. As, you, as uh, we've talked about, Max Bordenschlager will again get the start. Grayson James did come on and take the second reps after Max. We'll have to see if that plays a factor, but I'm expecting Max to build the distance. And defensively, as I mentioned, Eric Mitchell still battling the shoulder injuries. We'll have to see what his status is and Hal Vincent no longer a part of the program. So my prediction I have on the record is FIU 28, Texas State 24. We'll see how that one shakes out. Definitely think it's going to come down to, as Kef mentioned in his preview, guys like Brock Sturgis and Calvin Hill, they have two solid running backs. FIU's ability to defend the run would be key. And FIU's ability to run the football will be key. And uh, also the crazy turnovers to see how those things play out as well. Shane, last but not least, you know, as I mentioned, without David, we're kind of you know, filling some gaps here. I think this would be a fun thing to do as we bring this episode to a close. What were uh, a handful of notables, you know, maybe two or three, doesn't have to be a handful, because I'll probably give some as well, give some as well, excuse me, across the CUSA landscape, you know, what are some of the notables of the weekend for you? I mean, just the overall record. Isn't Conference USA like 14 and 5 right now? Something or what? Yeah. Like, when's the last time just the even in the games they lost, I kept looking up going rice is, you know, they ended up losing that game, but I'm like, okay, rice was had a lead over Arkansas in the fourth quarter. And granted Arkansas is a bottom SEC team, but a lot of people thought that team was was on the come up, right? Like, you know, Arkansas was going to maybe scratch their way to a six and six out there. And, uh, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, Louisiana tech lost at home to Mississippi state 59 to 21 or something like that was the game where they had the the third goal from like their own 12 <laughs> there was that crazy like where it was like third and 93 um you know and it, it's heartbreaking they lost on a field goal but just get, get UTEP the the kings of the conference okay <laughs> the, the 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 class of the conference is 2 and 0 okay Let's. <laughs> I told Eric a couple. Of, I'm like I'm unofficial Biners fan out of the West. <laughs> like you know, they, they had a battling victory for Bethune Cookman. So nonetheless, two and zero. But dude, it's just nice to see you know Conference USA. Obviously, Charlotte. You know, they had a lot of luck go their way, but it just seems like so much of Conference USA where like luck never goes their way in those games, and and there wasn't even a close. I guess UTEP, but there wasn't even that close call, really. You know, Marshall dominated Navy. No one embarrassed themselves in Conference USA. And when you don't just be a – I guess that's the bar in Conference USA. Don't, don't be embarrassment, you know, like a conference that releases its COVID rules after the season started. Um, you know, it's it, – it, it, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's forfeit policies. You know, you waited till week two to come up with them. You know, so any step above just complete embarrassment in Conference USA is good. 
for your listeners at home, you may not, you know, or you aren't privy to this. Shan and I have some pretty spirited debates in the WhatsApp chat and whatnot about Conference USA Commissioner Judy McLeod. Shane accuses me of being a uh, Judy truther or a Judy defender. Well, I don't necessarily say that. I tend to take uh, the opposite approach in terms of what more could she do. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, Shane, there's absolutely nothing I can push back on. What was that, sir? Step down. (laughs) There's there's absolutely absolutely nothing I can push back on in the sense that uh, they did release their COVID protocol today, uh, a week or two into the year. From what I have, uh, have read, I believe Grant Trailer termed it this way, that it was a clarification of earlier rules. Yeah, I, I got to yeah. be completely transparent. <laughs> I, I did not see an earlier statement. So if I missed it, apologies to the folks at the league office. This is the first I'm seeing of the COVID rules. So, you know, Grant could certainly be right. And I, I would never, you know, discredit Grant's reporting. So he's calling it a clarification. But uh, either way, we, we are now two weeks into the season. And we now know if you put out something is. that doesn't exist you're clarifying for the thing that never existed before. So I guess you could, <laughs> I guess you could spin it that way. And with that, I'll quickly give my uh, two thoughts as far as conference USA weekend. Shane definitely hit on one great start for the league as a whole. Why is this important for you? FAU FIU fans. Listen, this league, this, it just needs to be taken more seriously, right? No, no matter what the future of either of these teams are. And I can tell you, I, I, I don't think I'm betraying anyone's trust when I say here, Shane can speak from the FAU side of things. FIU wants to make a move to be in the American as well. So how are those efforts helped by the league being more high profile and teams winning games? So that is a good thing as well. And then my second takeaway as far as the, you know, I think this would be more pertinent to our listeners as a whole. I think the East is going to be interesting. Charlotte gets that win over Duke, Western Kentucky. Yes, it's a slow start that they had against Tennessee Martin. Um, UT Martin, excuse me, I almost said Tennessee Martinsville. Slow start they had, but Bailey Zappi, again, Bailey Zappi plus Zach Kitley equals points. I know Shane said against who, who cares, but that's not the point. Uh, it's going to be an interesting challenge here in the, in the East to kind of see, you know, with Western Kentucky and what they're doing and with Charlotte, what they're doing. So definitely keep an eye on Marshall as well. Certainly it's very impressive against Navy. So that's my it's uh, major conference, U- conference USA East is like the SEC West, you know, or it's like, you know what? It's like the SEC East. We're all just battling to face the Bama of our conference, UTEP, that will come out of the West. So, <laughs> all just battling to beat UTEP. You listen, UTEP, they have four more games, four more wins to be bowl eligible. Uh, they've only won four games in the five games in the past four years. So, they are now officially the beasts of the West. You heard it there from Shane Marinelli's mouth. But, Without further ado, we want to thank you guys for listening. We expect Hondo to be back on next week's episode. He just got caught up in the swing of things and couldn't make this week's episode. But we want to thank, again, uh, Texas State beat writer for the Austin Statesman, Kef Chardello, for filling in and helping out here. And also want to thank the fine folks at Five Reasons Sports for giving us this platform to do this podcast. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod at the number Five Reasons Sports, your home for South Florida sports news. You can find Shane on Twitter at Marinelli Shane. Also, sincerely, we joke around a lot in this podcast, but I'm on the record in saying it. FAU fans, you're in a great place with your Owls coverage. Owls247, Shane and Kevin Field are doing a great job. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore and my work covering FAU, <laughs> covering FIU, FAU and the whole damn league, Conference USA, at Underdog Dynasty. That's a dollar in the jar. I will uh, add it to my fines. Thank you for listening, and happy football watching. We'll be back next week with the recaps.